0: Let's go a Viking. Viking hot takes. Hello, hello, let's go. The seven and nine Minnesota Vikings are watching the twenty twenty playoffs at home. The Detroit Lions have converted to cannibalism. And I'm terrified. (laughs) And Gary Kupiak has officially retired as offensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings. That happened today. And now it's time for Viking Hot Takes, the fast-moving Minnesota Vikings talk show. We've got Eric Thompson from the Daily Norseman. You've got myself, Flip Mozzie, from Climbing the Pocket. So buckle up, protect those kneecaps, and let's go. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. And
1: yes, I was thoroughly entertained by Campbell's press conference today. I mean, my favorite part of it was when he's, I'm not going to sit here and uh, do a bunch of football coach speak. And then he went off on coach
0: speak for a good 10 minutes straight. It was absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wild. Well, like I said, this is a fast moving show. We've got 20 minutes, and we've got six questions. So are you ready to get to it? I'm ready. Eric, let's get the timer up on the clock. And in 3, 2, 1, okay. First question, there's four teams left in the NFL playoffs, the Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills. We've got the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing each other in the NFC. So Eric, please let the people know which of these four teams are you cheering for to win the Super Bowl.
1: Well, I can tell you the one I'm cheering for not to win the Super Bowl the most. And that's, of course, the Green Bay Packers. That's our division rival. Uh, they've they've had only two in my lifetime, but that's two too many. Um, it's amazing that they've only had two, actually, when you think about it, with 30 straight years of Hall of Fame quarterback play. I think they're probably the favorite. But again, anyone but them. Um, I'm probably out of the four teams remaining cheering for the Bills just because they're kind of other AFC kindred spirits. They're the also they're the other team that's 0-4 in the Super Bowl. And every time a team kind of breaks that curse and finally breaks through, it gives me a smidgen of hope that the Vikings can maybe do it one day, especially with the Bills. If they lost four in a row and somehow they can pull it off this year, It'll give me a little bit of hope going forward with the Vikings, and maybe it'll be their turn one day. And, of course, the Chiefs, I kind of like the whole, you know, is this the beginning of a new dynasty? Uh, And, of course, Mahomes is electric to watch. Sounds like he's going to play this week, which gives the Chiefs a good chance. Um, And the the Buccaneers, again, I'm going to be cheering hard for them on Sunday. Tom Brady's won plenty. He, I, I, no one's going to feel bad if he doesn't win his seventh Super Bowl. But I think that'll be that'd be my order. The, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bucks, and then a very, very distant fourth, the Packers.
0: I I get it. And I, it's we agree right off the bat. So here we go. I mean, I have to choose Buffalo. Uh, not because of Stefan Diggs, you know, not because of Jeff, Jeff, Josh Allen, but exactly what you just said. they're the only team left out of the four that hasn't won a Super Bowl before. It's that simple. I don't understand how a Vikings fan cannot cheer for that other than some weird grudge you have with the Bill's mafia of the people <laughs> of of, nor- of Northern New York. So he
1: loves company. That's what. That's the only. That's the only way that you can not cheer for the Bills if you're Vikings fan. You just want to be miserable of, with many other
0: people teams. Don't <laughs> even know any Bill fans to be miserable with. So <laughs> I don't. I don't have time for that. Uh, you know, not cheering for the front runners. I almost never do. Not cheering for the cheeseheads or Kansas City, uh, Tampa Bay. The idea of a home Super Bowl for them kind of stings a bit after 2017. Okay. So maybe maybe misery does love company a little bit there. <laughs> but yeah, I have to choose Buffalo. That's question number 1 for me. What's yours? Well, the Vikings have a lot of positions to
1: address in free agency in the draft there's a lot of holes on the roster right now on both sides of the ball that they have to improve if they're going to improve on that seven or nine record so what position should be the highest
0: priority in your opinion for the vikings in free agency okay so highest priority in free agency specifically uh that is offensive guard let's not get complicated here and there's many factors number one dakota dozier struggled mightily at left guard for the Vikings. He led NFL guards in pressures allowed three per game, and he finished second in the NFL in penalties. That's before you get to the film, which was just awful. So number one, we got to get rid of Dakota Dozier, got to replace him. Number two, we still somehow don't know whether Ezra Cleveland is a guard or a tackle. If they move him to tackle, they now need two guards uh, with Pat Elfline no longer on the team. Brett Jones, a free agent. And number three, when you talk specifically about free agency needs, uh, they're already young on the offensive line. Brian O'Neill and Garrett Bradbury are both 25. Some Vikings fans make fun of the fact that Garrett Bradbury is already 25, but that's still relatively young. Uh, Ezra Cleveland is 22, so I don't think they need more youth on the offensive line. They need a veteran answer, and they need to get this one right. Yeah,
1: I mean, that that is one position that they absolutely have to improve upon. It's going to Basically, unlock anything they want to do on that uh, on the offense, especially because you know everyone points to well, why didn't they run as much play action this year? They had so much success with Kirk Cousins in 2019. I really think a lot of it was they were getting blown up right away, especially against any kind of good defensive tackle. So and but the. The problem with me with the with guard and free agency, there are a couple of really good ones. I just don't think the Vikings are going to be able to afford. Like Brandon Scherf, for instance, is a really good one. Joe Thune would be another one that I mean, he started right off the bat uh, for New England. Basically, most of his career, it, it I don't know if they're going to be in that kind of price range. But I, they, I mean, it's going to be hard to get worse. I think than than what Dakota Dozier and of course what Drew Samia did before. Um, Cleveland came in for him it's they it's one area that they, they just can't they don't have to be world beaters no one has expected this team to be the 90s uh Cowboys offensive line but if they can just improve from you know absolutely terrible to even below average I think that could really unlock a lot of the uh what the offense can do
0: yeah well they are broke and there is that but literally mm-hmm. if they only sign one free agent it's got to be a guard and it it's it's not going to be that high price, you know, maybe it's not going to be that Joe Thune, that perfect little, you know, guard that they can plug and play. But they got to find somebody who can do better than whatever Dakota Dozier did last year. And I don't know what the right. hell they do if they plan on moving Ezra Cleveland to tackle.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's gonna, It's. I mean, there are way more questions
0: than answers right now. So hopefully they can address at least a couple of those questions in the offseason. So many questions. And so my second question for you, looking back on the Vikings 2020 season, I think some fans are calling it a fluke year because of injuries. Some uh, thought it was a down year, but Minnesota still had some nice moments during the 2020 season. So Eric, for you, what was your favorite play from the year that was?
1: Well, I think I have I'll, – I'll choose one on each side of the ball. I think the the first one that jumps to mind is one that I think a lot of uh, Vikings Twitter's profile pictures changed uh, after it happened. It was that uh, DJ Wonham sack of Aaron Rodgers at the end of the Green Bay game. I think that was just um, – granted, mm-hmm. both seasons – I mean, the the teams went in opposite directions after that game, but it gave the Vikings fans – they were – I mean, we were at the, the lowest most of heading into, Right, I mean, it was. I mean, I was expecting an absolute blowout that game. I thought the the Packers are af- absolutely going to beat the brakes off the Vikings, but to win the game on a, you know, just that perfect his his facial expression, he's he's holding the ball back and the the fumble to end the game. That was just wonderful. And I think on offense, I mean, there's a lot to choose from because mm-hmm. they had a pretty explosive offense. But I think the one that stands out to me, even though it came in a loss, was Justin Jefferson's first mm-hmm. touchdown in the Tennessee game. That was his Tennessee coming night. out moment was yep, it was it was and if I think it put him up by like twelve points. It looked it was right at the beginning of the second half. It's like, all right, here we got our we got our rookie and everything. Of course the game didn't turn out well, but that put him on the map for the rest of the year. It it, it made us all wonder, okay, where the heck was this guy, you know, where was why wasn't he just starting like this the first two games? So his it was, yeah. I mean it was at 70, 71 yards. It was just a thing of beauty. We got to saw the got to see the gritty for the first time of many of the season. It was great. And hopefully it's a sign of what's to come. So that's it's a on a otherwise down year, that's just a, having a bright spot like Jefferson
0: was really nice. We that moment was so cold. I mean, just the way he he strode towards the sideline, catches that ball, contested catch, and then he just jukes two Titans into each other and yep. puts his arms out on the on the 20-yard line. He's already got his arms out. He's already doing the gritty in the end zone. No Vikings fan is going to forget that moment. It was a great debut for Justin Jefferson. And I, I like that Wannum play, too, because I was somehow invested in that game. I mean, going back, and this is my play, so going back, you know, we're one and five, It's 21 14 with six minutes to go in the third quarter on the road in Green Bay, third and nine. And the formerly or the recently departed Gary Kubiak dials up a a screen pass, maybe the only successful screen pass of the season. And Garrett Bradbury cuts the linebacker, Dozier seals the nickel. Ezra Cleveland sends the safety airborne and Dalvin cook does the rest. Just vision, agility, speed into the end zone, 50 yard touchdown to put Minnesota up by two scores against the hated green Bay Packers. Uh, I don't know about you, but the Vikings, again, they were one in five. I started that game miserable, you know, Mm. telling myself I didn't care. We should tank. Mike Zimmer needs to get fired. Uh, you know, Kirk, you know, tank for Trevor, Kirk Cousins, I'm done with him. And so I was just, you know, laying on my couch when Dalvin hit that play, uh, 50 of 220 yards on that day, when he hit that play, I hopped out of my seat, spiked the football, you know, everything was all right. And so that's the play for me because it's amazing just the plays that give you hope, like the Wanham play, young guy making a play, Justin Jefferson into the end zone. Those are the moments that we can always take away from this 2020 season, even though it may have been a failure.
1: Yeah, exactly. That was a classic Godfather three game. Every time I think yeah. they're I'm, I'm out, they pull me back in and that. Yeah. yeah. And it was like and I'm glad God you said it was, was one did. of the I few. Screen, it. Yeah. One of the few screenplays that actually worked because screenplays were mostly a disaster for the Vikings. But yeah, when the offensive line right. actually gets downfield and does their job, it works pretty well when you have
0: someone like that. One yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're still on the clock. Let's go. Okay. So my second one
1: is uh, if you had to choose only one pending Vikings free agent on either side of the ball, to re-sign, So this is the current, you know, the up, upcoming class of free agents that the Vikings have. If you had to choose only one on each mm-hmm. side of the ball, who would it be
0: and why? Okay, well, I think this is a pretty easy question, Eric. And maybe you thought it was a hard question because there's not a lot of players I'd like to see back in purple, but that <laughs> pretty much makes it easy. So if I only had to choose one, let's go defense first. The correct answer is Anthony Harris. Down year, I know, but you just look at the other guys like Eric Wilson is a backup. I'm not overpaying him. Jaleel Johnson is a ghost. Um, Harris has at least shown good performance. So you hope it was just his surroundings, the injuries, and then he'll be back to that ball hawking role player in 2021. It probably won't happen, but that would be my pick. Uh, On offense, Again, it's easy. It's not Dakota Dozier. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's it's not Brett Jones or Amir Abdullah because the Vikings never use them. So don't pay them again. It's not Sean Mannion. That's boring. By process of elimination, I'm going with Rashad Hill. You know, cheat swing tackle who can start in a pinch. Mm -hmm. Insurance if Brian O'Neill or Riley Reef get injured. And if they choose to move Ezra to tackle and he struggles, he got Rashad Hill there to to be the backup. So uh, Rashad Hill and Anthony Harris,
1: uh, those are pretty, two pretty good choices. I I'd, I'd like to see Harris back myself. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to price himself out. I think uh, yeah. PFF even after his down year li- listed him in like in the top five of uh, free agents uh, this year. So right. I I'd like to see it. I I don't think it probably will happen. So if the if I'm going for something maybe more uh, a little more realistic is maybe linebacker Eric Wilson just to sign okay. him to a new deal again he might be expensive too depends on what the team does with Anthony Barr if Barr can get restructured or if they try to trade him or something like that and ask, people kind of forget that Anthony Barr was a big loss on the defense because everyone just kind right. of rips on him for the couple of, you know his bad pass coverage which which he isn't the supposed to be doing a lot anyway. anyway right yeah right and yeah. so so if Barr doesn't come back I would maybe go with Wilson on the defensive side of the ball
0: yeah, I just my issue with that is they've drafted so many linebackers, like Gideon and Cameron Smith and now you got Todd Todd Davis and Hardy Nickerson all his options. So like what are you doing drafting those guys if you're just going to bring Eric Wilson back? Yeah, so. that's
1: true too. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, and I'm with you on the Jones thing. If they're not going to use him, I don't know mm-hmm. if Mike Zimmer has something against Canadians or something like that at this point. Cause he's, he's obviously a better option. And the times that he has been out there, he's performed just fine. And that's all the Vikings need. Like I said, they just need to be not actively terrible in that position, but yeah, if they're not going to use him, don't resign. Him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of backups, we're talking about backup offensive linemen, backup linebackers, my th- third and final question for you, Eric Who will be the Vikings 2021 backup quarterback behind Kirk Cousins?
1: That is a excellent question. And it's it's the five to $7 million question. I think on a lot of people's minds, just because again, it's, it's a weird thing because it's never been an issue in Kirk Cousins knock on wood somewhere, but Kirk Cousins just doesn't Mm -hmm. get hurt. But you always right. have to have a backup plan. I really don't think Sean Mannion is that backup plan. Thankfully, they haven't had to check whether or not that is the backup plan. But this is kind of a fun class of free agent quarterbacks coming up. You have, you know, like Ryan Fitzpatrick's available again. Um, Tyrod Taylor, Jacoby yeah. Brissett. I've, I've liked what they've done. Um, Jameis is, I think he's a free agent again. You know, if like there's a lot of experience there, and it's something that, you know, maybe if they had to start for half the season, if Kirk got uh, hurt really bad, things probably don't go that well. But I think there's a lot of interesting options. I don't think many of them will really break the bank. You never know with what teams are. Mm needing especially with veteran backups there's going to be a lot of demand for these players even so you know maybe cam newton comes i i doubt that he's ready to call himself a backup but you know that's that's one you know he could maybe come in on a one-year prove it deal and see it you know i just don't know if the vikings would be interested in some anyone that would even resemble uh Challenging cousins for the starting spot just with all that money investing him, but even something like you know uh, Andy Dalton who's going to be available uh, if they get really desperate and really you know if nothing else happens maybe Mitch Trubisky oh no I can't even can't I can't even <laughs> I, I can't even with with all of the 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 hate that we have thrown on him uh, throughout the years even though he has five and one against the Vikings maybe it's just a good get him, get him off the team so he doesn't have to beat the Vikings but so right. there's a lot of options I I have no inkling as to where they're going to go. If they do even, you know, Banyan probably will come relatively cheap. And again, it hasn't been a, a huge need, thankfully. But it's just, um, I hope they go with someone more interesting that gives you a little hope. Because, I mean, that's the, the Saints have had to do it the last two years now with the, Drew Brees missing chunks of time. And they didn't miss a beat because they had Teddy Bridgewater last year and they had the whole Taysom Hill uh, experiment go actually decently well this year. So if I just want them to have a slightly better backup plan.
0: Yeah, it's a weird time to need a quarterback. There's a lot out there, but there's a lot of teams that need a signal caller more than the Vikings do. I just hope they're a little more adventurous than Sean Manning. Mm-hmm. But hey, we got three minutes left, Eric. Moving okay. fast. Last question. What you got?
1: All right. Well, I wrote this one yesterday, and it was before Kubiak officially retired. But now that he is officially retired, who tops your wish list for new offensive coordinator for the Vikings? Did you, are you OK with the, the Clint Kubiak uh, nepotism or you want to go somewhere no. else?
0: No, <laughs> nobody in house. Clint Kubiak. Give me a break. Rick Dennison. No way. Uh, I think the best mix of realistic and I like the guy type is Anthony Lynn. A veteran coach, which Mike Zimmer likes. He and Zimmer have been on coaching staffs together before under Bill Parcells in Dallas. Uh, Some fans want to complain about Anthony Lynn and his time management in Los Angeles. I do not have time for any of that. I mean, the guy is a great coach. He's an underrated coach who should never have been fired in Los Angeles. I'll go as far as saying that. And Look at it this way. Uh, Anthony Lynn won 24 games over his last three years for Los Angeles. How many has Mike Zimmer won in the same time period, last three years? Do you know, Eric? Well, we got seven plus 10 plus uh, eight. So, yeah, uh, quick math 25? 25. One more game Mike Zimmer has won. And somehow Zimmer is this locked in fixture, can't be fired. But Anthony Lynn is a bad coach. I mean, miss me with that. Take the entire Chargers offensive staff. Anthony Lynn, Pep Hamilton coached in the XFL and then just groomed, helped to groom Justin Herbert. I mean, hell, hire him as offensive coordinator. Uh, he had some great years in as an offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. And then you got James Campin, the former offensive line coach for the Chargers. So, like, bring them all on by Rick Dennison, by Clint Kubiak. I just don't have time for it. We have a real chance to get some really good coaches here on the staff. And hopefully, now that Gary Kubiak is out of the picture, they take this search seriously because the offense really needs that scheme to progress.
1: Yeah. I love that Lynn pick too. Uh, as long as it's not that, you know, uh, our, our buddy Luke Brown always sends out that uh, Adam Gase Vikings Photoshop just to torture us. off. But um, I, I really like the Lynn pick too, because he is the leadership again. I think you can definitely nitpick some of what Lynn did this year with the end of game stuff, but it does doesn't that feel like it's just, the chargers like it's not it's not it doesn't matter who the coach is going to be it's just the chargers charging you know it's i just feel (laughs) bad from there but so yeah i I, i'd like to uh you know see him think outside the box a little bit for the next offensive coordinator not just be another um
0: inside hire yeah okay well i you know and i don't have anybody else i mean honestly i like anthony lynn and pep hamilton as head coaching candidates but Mike Zimmer again we're not allowed to say he should be fired right now so we'll get to that on a different (laughs) show Eric nine seconds left we've had a lot of fun with our six questions thank you so much for tuning in and yeah that's it y'all thank you for listening the show is over Viking hot takes will be coming to you again soon skull Vikings (laughs) woo Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to
1: the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Let's go, everybody.